0: This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride and today I'm joined by Adam Jones, Chris Beasley and Gav Bucklands as we chew the fat. Overall the major talking points at Goodison Park and we hope that today's podcast will be in some respects therapeutic for Evertonians <laughs> out there trying to make sense of the, well, we'll try and keep it polite, the mess uh, at Molyneux that followed a mess against Watford and followed a mess, if you like, in many ways, uh, against West Ham. We will try and make sense, as we say, and we will hopefully... It will be a, a cathartic experience for everybody involved, including ourselves, as we vent and get things off our chest um, after another miserable but also deeply concerning evening Um Let's just start generally. Adam, you sat next to me. Molyneux. you—you um, know—the dust has settled a little bit. You know, new day. How are you feeling about what went on last night?
1: I don't think I'm feeling any better, to, to be honest. Like after that, after that long trip back, I think the thing that just sticks with me is the how bad Everton were in that first half. I think that that's the thing that's really—I mean, I, I suppose nothing should really surprise me these days, but it did—it did surprise me a little bit that Everton was so. Passive and laxadaisical in that first half. You know, after what was such a disgraceful end to the game against Watford, you know, the very, the very least that you expect is that Everton would come out sort of well, not all guns blazing, but you know, with a bit of purpose and energy and you know something about them in the uh, in the opening uh, knockins of that game against Wolves. But it just wasn't the case at all. Everton just completely sat back. Completely allowed wolves to dominate possession all over the pitch, especially in midfield. And let's be honest, in that first half, Everton could, and you know, perhaps should have been about five 0 down, which is which is absolutely awful to be honest. You know, if if like we've been talking all week about, so there needs to be a reaction after that Watford game, and that was the that was the reaction that they that they put in. I think that's just it's a it's a disgrace, really, isn't it? it? It was shambolic. It was. You know, I think that first half against Wolves was a, as was as bad as anything that we've seen so far this season, including that little you know last section against Watford, which uh, is is pretty damning to be honest. And yeah, there was uh, a bit of fight back in the second half. They looked a lot more organised in their in their new system, etc. But that doesn't excuse what uh, what took place in the first half. So yeah, I've, i woke up just feeling, if anything, more. Frustrated and angry than I did uh, last night, to be honest.
0: Bees, uh been frustrated, angry. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you share that sentiment, or you know, I'm slightly worried about the shape of the team? And, and look, and I know that we get the injured players back in. Um, we get we get Carl fit again. We get Takore fit again. You know, Dean comes back. Mina comes back as an option, and, and we and we look and feel different. But the concern is, it's when we you take away the couple of important players, and what's beneath the surface is, is you know, falls down all too easily, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, it's like Adam said. <clears throat> after what happened against Watford, yes, you can have setbacks. I mean, you don't expect that, those kind of results, but yeah, after a five-two against Watford at home, you know, all those goals in the last twelve minutes, they had they had nine days to work on on what would come next. Like I said, that that reaction from, from an emotional point of view, but also from an organisational point of view. Um Heard in the game last night that um, Wolves, who also under a new manager, Bruno Larch, they haven't conceded a single goal all season from a set piece. Uh, there's ever, you know, seven, they've matched last season's total, or already, you know, seven conceded. You know, you think the one thing that you're going to ask for them last night, you keep it tight and set pieces to, to try and, Defend those corner kicks with a bit more now, a bit more organization than they've done in, in previous weeks, in particular and particularly against Watford. And they just fell flat on that respect. And, like say, on the, on the whole general play as well, um, yes, they are mitigating circumstances that you've alluded to there, Phil. Um, key players are out, very important players. You've seen how we, we could see when he was on the pitch just how important the core had become to the way Everton were playing. And obviously, he's out now, and Calvert Lewin, their main um, goal threat. And obviously Yeri Mina, who's been a very dominant figure in the centre-half. So, you know, you've got three players down the spine of the tee there in keen position. So, yes, there are mitigating circumstances. But you've got to still get a team out there to be competitive in Premier League matches. And that's after a relatively good start, three defeats on a spin against sides who aren't like the big shakes in the division. Yes, West Ham under Moyes, ironically, are upwardly mobile. But those are sort of three games that you would have hoped Everton would continue to accrue points from and the fact they've taken nothing from them. It, it is, it is, as you say, worrying. It's concerning.
0: Gav, uh, what are your thoughts this morning? You, know, you slept on it. And...
1: Well, Gav's go on. going to be uberly positive here. I think. Uh,
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, me, me positive on a podcast? You're going to be joking, aren't you? Know? It might take the habits of a lifetime. Uh, yeah, I, I, I go... What can you say really about the first half performance? I, I get entirely what well, uh saying about the lack of organization from set pieces, just that you would expect a reaction in terms of desire and endeavor, wouldn't you? After the Watford game in the first half, and if anything, it was, it was even worse, wasn't it? When you look at the whole pitch, at least the Watford last 12 minutes, you could blame firmly on, on the defense and maybe a little bit of midfield, was the whole team wasn't it? On, on uh, last night, um. I, I say, you know, that second half, we improved a little bit. Um, Purely, basically, we couldn't get any worse. And let's face it, we were within a good save of maybe even getting a draw, which would have been a um, travesty, wouldn't it, based on the uh, the balance of play in the, the 90 minutes. Um, I, just to bring an element of positivity, two factors I think everybody's picked up on the second half. Delph, I mean, who, who, to be fair, Penner always says, and he's right, he's is, is a good player. It's just getting them fit, isn't he? And you saw you saw his effect in the second half in terms of showing for the ball being a little bit more dynamic and, and using it effectively. And uh Anthony Gordon came on. I know Adam, you you mentioned him in your piece. He he showed a lot more desire and a bit of bit of trickery and was unlucky. You know, so very good has header a thought, to be honest with you. He did everything right there. Um, and it was a, it was a great save by the keeper so you know I'm going to change uh, Tack normally but uh bring a couple of positives in it but that i got quite early and people are savvy enough so that does not excuse what was over 90 minutes a poor performance um and uh, it it, 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 it Brings into question, I, I get, I get that the we were missing players and I get was making the pointer from corners. We were missing probably three of our most effective players in terms of clearing the ball. But after having that started, that game last night, I'm not sure how many of them can come away saying, or put a shift in there. And, you know, I, 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 I did, you know, as well as what I could be expected, there was there was very few. I think me and Adam had a joke at the end that the, the thing's taken to... Uh, Molly knew not used last night was the seven, eight, and nine on Adam's keyboard um, <laughs> for, for the players. Um, you know, so as you said out in the first half, you're going to use them for potential goal tallies. Um, yeah, so a few, few, few positives, but that shouldn't. In any shadow of doubt, um, you know, sort of getting away in what was a lacklustre performance, wasn't it really? Which we probably need to examine. There's
0: a couple of several things on there. Yeah, Adam, we'll, we'll just stay generally on, on a general theme, for, just for, for just for this one, because I think the big thing, and there are a million questions that we have and and, and supporters will still have um, today, but the big one surely is, why was there not a reaction? Why was there not, from the first second, a as I think, as Chris had mentioned, that emotional response that was, We're in your face. We're going to be aggressive. We might not have the confidence at the moment to play good stuff. We might have to work through that in the game and stuff, but we're going to give all of the other things that you will have in a tick list that you want an Editonian to, to, to deliver on the pitch. I just don't, I, I can't get my head around why that wasn't there and why it took half-time reorganisation and Delph of all players, if you like, you know, the outcast almost, half-fit Delph to come on, show a bit of bottle in, and lead by example. Why did it take all of that to, to muster some reaction? I, 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 you know, that is, I, I appreciate it's an impossible question almost, but that's the one, that's the thing that's just, you. I think a lot of people will just not be able to understand
1: well, 100%. And I suppose it is just the damning question that's hung over this side for the last however many years, three, four, five years. How many times have uh, managers, incumbent managers at Goodison Park questioned the mentality of their players? And how many of those players are still at the club now, probably started yesterday's game and they still have that same sort of mentality where they can let games like this just pass them by it's you know it's something that you mentioned in your post-match verdict as well after the second goal who was the one who was going to be getting up and rallying the players and you know where was that sort of angry reaction that was coming from the supporters that should have been evident on the pitch as well and so many times over the last few years we've seen the same from from this squad of players yeah you can add in you know the likes of Andros Townsend and Demari Gray and I suppose Anthony Gordon this year you can count as well who you know do 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 things a little bit differently so far, but you know, the, as a, as a whole, this generally this squad really does have a mentality issue. That you know, Rafa Benitez is the latest man who's he, he's trying to solve it, but he, he just can't find the answer at the minute. And I think that that is that that remains just the key issue at some Park at the minute, which is which is you know, as usual, saying a, a little bit e- earlier, pretty pretty worrying. I don't think Benitez uh, escapes blame at all uh, for that because I think in the first half I think it was it was stubborn to be honest to set up in a, in the same sort of formation and system that, uh, as we did against Watford. I think you know the logic of bringing in Jean Philippe Gabannon to start that game, having you know his last Premier League start was August 2019. Last time he played any football was in August of this year. 90 minutes against Huddersfield, you know, it's not really it's not really the same as coming into a Premier League game like this, is it? So, you know, I do feel sorry for Gabam and, and it's no surprise to me that he was that he was hooked off after 45 minutes. And it's also no surprise to me that we looked a lot better when we put three men in that centre midfield area because it just made so much more sense to to replace the influence of DeCore with two men rather than one. And you know, so I think it, it it's really strange to me that Benitez didn't see that straight after the Watford game and he you know persisted with with his kind of system to try and to try and make it effective against Wolves so i think blame does uh, fall onto the manager as well but you know of course blame has to has to fall on these players who time and time again have put in these kinds of performances with different managers and you, you know every time that we think oh maybe maybe it's going to be different maybe this new manager has found uh, the right way to get the right uh, attitude out of this squad is like time and time again. They just they just prove us wrong in that sense, and it it, it really is just getting getting really really frustrating at this point. And going back to a point that you made earlier, it's quite worrying and concerning as well.
0: Bees what's what's Rafa thinking? What's going through Rafa's head at the moment? Mm-hmm. Is he thinking, my God, this is a bigger task than I realised? Um, is he or is he thinking? No, I can coach these players, I can improve them. What do you think the manager is is thinking today in his office at Finch Farm?
2: I think Rafa has the experience and the self-confidence to believe he he can improve them. He, his coaching methods, his uh, attention to detail will make the difference. He sort of alluded that ahead of the Wolves game where, you know, I suppose any manager would, after a couple of bad results, you know, asked for time and explain that Rome wasn't built in a day. I think he actually used that direct quote. Mm. And that obviously it especially with FFP been a very frustrating first summer for him in the transfer market, very astute acquisitions, but obviously not been able to, to 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 spend big money. So it will take a you know a number of windows to sort of evolve the squad on that point of view, just in terms of change of personnel, because as already been said, this group of players as a whole Has um, let the fans down on a number of occasions now, and and numerous managers who've been uh, um, come through the door and the entrance and exit. uh, You know, Benitez is a sixth manager in five years, and for that reason alone, um, any further changes in the dugout is absolutely the last thing that uh, that Everton need in these circumstances. But yeah, he says he he understands um, the Evertonian mentality, and that was a big pull for him getting this job, you know, although he was an ex-Liverpool manager, you know, he settled in the area, you know, he says he knows the area, he's got lots of Evertonian friends, so, you know, that was before his appointment as well. So, I think he's ultimately, um, he's very confident he will, he will back himself to to um, get a reaction and to turn this situation around. But, you know, he will be concerned, just as any manager will, whether it's Rafa Benitez or anybody else, you know, three Premier League defeats, on the spin and, and like we said from games that you would have expected to be taking points from um it's always going to be important anyway but now we you know tottenham the new manager um and it looks like antonio Conte is going to be coming in for, for that job his first game potentially at, at Goodison park on on sunday so there's a there's a there's another issue there i mean ultimately uh Nuno know who was you know some um sources said he would thought he was close to getting the Everton job at some point over the summer, you know, has been and gone at Tottenham with a greater points total than Everton currently have. Of course, you know, they're not like-for-like like situations. And like I just said, the last thing anyone wants at Everton is another managerial change. But yeah, it's, it's, it's concerning. But I think, I don't know what work has gone on in between the Watford and the Wolves games on, on set pieces, but I suggest a bit more goes on between now and Tottenham coming at the weekend.
0: The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Okay, um, Gav, uh, Adam's already mentioned him, and you know, look, we could go through one to eleven, and you know, yeah. we'll we'll mention other players' names, but I think there is an obviously big talking point about Gabamin. Um First yeah. Premier League start since August 2019. Um, huh. Understanding is that he believes he's fully fit understanding is that Rafa had been reluctant to play him because of his injury record and hadn't been hitting certain levels in training on a consistent basis he got a chance give, give, just give me your thoughts on his performance the decision to take him off and how we view all of that in the context of of his you know of, of how we should assess Kabamin at this point. <sighs>
3: His performance, really looked like with all due respect, he looked like a player who not started for two years, didn't he? At the end of the day, he was off the pace, his, his passing wasn't great, his radar wasn't operating effectively. Um, on that basis, it was a I hate that phrase, no-brainer, but I'm going to have to use it uh, to take him off at half-time. Um, where it points us wider the issues is... It, there was a case wasn't for playing three in the midfield from the start last night. But I said before in this podcast several case, says does not play four three three. He's not a four three three manager, he never has been. If you have a look through his entire career, you know, going back to his Valencia days, he's a he's a four two three one four four two uh boss. He doesn't play four three three. Um that said there was a case if you're playing gabamon tomorrow uh, sorry yeah tomorrow yeah you throw just left uh mm-hmm. y- yesterday then it only made sense to play three in the middle didn't it so you've got a little bit extra support a bit of extra legs there and um, doesn't it really and when we sort of she horned the three in you we were a little bit better but that doesn't necessarily I mean it's a, it's a long-term thing i think to be honest with you the, pl- the player that raises question marks is not Gabamin. it's davis isn't it really because you said there, Phil, if Rafa's maybe unhappy with his training and he, ah, he's not fully fit, he never are fully fit, how can he be? If he's getting a game ahead of Davis, what does that say about Tom Davis? Well, You know what yes. I mean? You, you, I, 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 you, you're saying that Gab- Gabamon had known game for two years and... Not fit and maybe not even performing effectively training, it gets to get ahead of Tom Davis. Well, hang on a minute, what does that say about Tom Davis? Um, and that's 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 the more bigger point for me in terms of going forward. Um, because you say 4 3 3, but that that would naturally would be and, and leaving out of here because you have to assume that he's gonna have a reaction. Uh, you then got Alan Gabarman and Davis. Well, hang on a minute. Just has just said that he'd rather have Kabamba and Davis for that game, and Gabaman's not fit. I'm not, I'm not capable probably of playing a Premier League game at the moment. So yeah, that, that raises biggest concerns for me that the, the Davis issue and where he's at. I think, and he's seen that a little bit last week. It, and, and and doesn't do anything for any his confidence any good, does it, Davis? We've spoken about his confidence having we during the season, and obviously Mr a penalty at QPR and the thing at Man United and stuff. Do you think maybe a smarter move perhaps last night would have been to play Davis and arm around the shoulder, go out on the shoulder and show them that he can do something forget about Watford? Because that's just, you know, he really was quite clearly involved in three or four goals. So the mm-hmm. Gabamin thing is not about Gabamin for me per se, it's more about Davis as well.
0: Well, just to answer me this then, though, because I'm interested to know, on Gabamin specifically, are you are you thinking, we can't make any form of early assessment because he needs a run of games to show us what he's capable of? Or are you yeah. looking at that and thinking, he was so far off the pace, I'm a little bit worried?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, Ad knows more about the under-23s than me. Is Kabaman featured in any under-23 game no. this year? No. No. Just under yeah, you would you put him on loan somewhere...
0: Have we, the, have, have we got the have we got the bodies the bodies to do that? Well That's exactly
3: it's it's you're dams if you do, dams if you don't, aren't you really? Um he obviously needs game time, but maybe not game time at Premier League level. Um and and I don't know what, what options are available, but it's quite, quite clearly he was way off it last night and Alan needs legs, doesn't he? I mean the the core in Kabaman might might have been a slightly better too but Alan needs so, and all over the place and, and I don't think Alan's fit either is he um and that, that 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 didn't help either the fact that Alan's struggling I think at the moment um mm-hmm. so the, the I was talking about the midfield and stuff but yeah it, 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 it's a problem area isn't it that I don't think is necessarily going to be resolved by just bringing the glory back because the core no. is not going to be fit is he i think there's there's wider issues there in midfield isn't there But the depth and balance um which you know you could you could you could have a i say a podcast out about it in itself you know i don't even get me on the sense of the events that come later <laughs> <laughs> indeed
0: the the history books will record that everton everton played with a midfielder in the first half at Molyneux last night but of course anybody who watched that game will say absolutely Hogwash. There was no midfield presence at all. Um, I'm going to read you this tweet um that's cropped up on my timeline. And and I think for me, it kind of, it encapsulates a lot of the frustration I imagine a lot of Evertonians are feeling. I'll just read it out to you here. What's sad about all this is I'm over being angry. I haven't felt any true enjoyment in watching ever since it's the early days of Martinez. We'll be fine. We're always fine as we limp to mid-table once a handful of good players are back. But it's also inevitably effing dull. Mm. To be honest, I I was just thinking, yeah, it does feel like Groundhog Day. It feels, as I think somebody mentioned earlier on, these sort of performances, these lulls, these runs, they come around. I mean, this run, as we're heading into what potentially could be some sort of winter of discontent, you know, it, last season, it came towards the end, didn't it? It, it? The season fell apart. It's come earlier this season, a bit like in Kuben's first season, a bit like in, you know, Marcos. Well, both of Marcos around this time he was struggling, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, but it just seems to come in cycles. Every fifteen, sixteen months, ever since we've, ever since Martinez's first season, we just seem to be in this constant spiral of hope, letdown, mini crisis, new manager oh let down you know and look new players will come back at some point point. and as that guy said on twitter we'll be fine but just being fine is not what we're meant to be about
1: well that's it it's it, like <laughs> weirdly this uh, this feels exactly like a conversation that i had with my dad over the weekend like we were we were out discussing discussing everything like after the, the defeat to Watford and he was just saying the the exact same type of things like he's obviously seen Everton win everything in the 80s and he's, he he always says that he feels sorry for me haven't haven't grown up and watch watch this sort of cycle of Everton because you, you you're exactly right the they're they caught in a cycle of what i'd just call mediocrity at this point the it's just that that settling for I, saw, I think I saw a tweet yesterday saying, you know, Everton would a tenth would a tenth place team playing like a tenth place team at the minute. And I, I think, you know, to be fair, I think we're playing worse than a tenth place team in these in these in these last three games. But you know, it, it, in like the averages that we've had over over the course of this season so far, we have played, just played like a tenth place team. And you, you know, to, for for, Everton, for Evertonians, it's just really hard for to settle for that, isn't it? Especially with you know, what we've said over you know recent months and years the amount of money that's been spent on this squad and you know the amount of hope that we've had with the likes of ancelotti coming in and you know these you know we we have had some relative high points I I would say over the course of the last 5 years but it just never lasts does it it, it always it always does just cycle back around to this you know these these sort of crisis moments and these these moments where we just look at this squad and we think what what on earth is, what well, What have we got? You know, we've hardly got a midfield. The centre-backs are failing. The full-backs, we've just got no cover there. Uh, up front, when we haven't got Calvert-Lewin, we're looking really dull. And it's just, it, it is, it's just frustrating to to keep coming round to this, to this point of deja vu and Groundhog Day, as you say. And, you know, I do think that, that tweet really sums it up, and you, you do wonder what what's eventually going to break the mold and what's going to break this cycle because you know we, we've had so many points over the last few years where you think oh well this has got to be the time when the cycle gets broken and it just never ever seems to be the case somehow Everton just find a way to you know just worm their way back into this this mediocrity that they find themselves at the minute and it is just it, it is just rage inducing at times because it really it really shouldn't be this way but that's it, it is just the position that Everton find themselves in at the minute and you 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 do just scrabble around looking for anything that's going to be able to finally drag them out of this but you know it just it doesn't look obvious at the minute
0: the royal blue podcast from the liverpool echo you know ne- nearly 3000 evertonians there last night and you know Hats off to every single one of them, because after a 5-2 hammering the weekend before, Monday night, bit chilly at Wolves, by the way. You know, that is the last thing you need, you know, long, you know, the medium, in terms of the, the, the length of trips in the Premier League, not the longest, but it's still the best part of two hours down the motorway on a Monday night, you know, up for work the next day. So hats off to them, Bees. But mm-hmm. what, what, what's got to change? Look, and I know we don't want to go too overboard. It's three games. We get the players back, as we keep saying, things are even themselves out. But equally, this is not a squad that's, you know, Rafa recently said, to, you know, to Preno in an interview, didn't he, about, you know, I don't want to just finish eighth. That's not good enough. Poof. I I'd take eighth right now. I'd snap your hand off for eighth because that would be an improvement on last season. And as it, in the last three games, it's not an improvement. I, I you know I see in the squad.
2: Yeah. yeah, I think I'm, I fear that the thing that needs to change the most is actually the thing that was hardest to change. In that, it, it, it's the players' attitudes, the players' mentalities. We've talked about this. Um, obviously, the, the different eras there of of Everton, and we know it's very difficult now for Everton to challenge for the title. And that's not a realistic expectation, given you know the established big six in the Premier League and the economic reality that goes around that but there's certain characteristics that you expect from an Everton team and all Evertonians of course I mean they, they, a lot of them they, they, they love to watch um Howard's, Howard's way the the, uh, the Everton film not just because obviously it shows Everton at their very best as league champions in in, in the mid 80s but th- those players whether they were successful or not they embodied the characteristics of what Evertonians would expect to see from, from their, their side and I don't see that in this current group of players. You know, there's some who show more than others. And, um, you know, Seamus Coleman, the last of the David Moyes era to still be in there. You can see how frustrated he was last night. And I've just done a piece now. I mean, that part of that's the problem that, you know, as, as you know, as effective, you know, as ultra-competitive and as ultra-fitties he remains, you know, the inability to find a long-term replacement for Seamus is part of that problem. And Fabian Delph, another one who was brought in for with the reason for having that character within the dressing room and, be, and being a leader, and obviously fitness issues have dogged his time at Goodison. There's just far too many players in that squad. They don't embody, embody the characteristics that Evertonians want from their team. They, they can accept that uh, gr- begrudgingly that, that you know they're not one of the elite anymore and going to ta- challenge for the for the league title like they've done on a fairly regular basis for, for almost a century. They understand that, you know, that harsh realisation that the way football is now, but they still expect their players to, to put in a shift whenever they pull on that Royal Blue jersey, whether it's a Goodison or Molyneux, whatever they are. The, you know, those those fighting characteristics, you know, that that, that, that willingness to, to, to chase lost causes and just to have some pride in the jersey. And that's what I feel is, is missing and it's difficult to replace because you can't just go, wow, well, we'll get rid of a dozen players, bring in a dozen new ones. You can't do that. You see how difficult it was over the summer um, to sort of change over the squad, particularly getting rid of Deadwood because it, you, have, you just can't sh- shift it. So, in many ways, it is the hardest thing to replace. Rafa might be more suited than Ancelotti for the Everton players in that attention to detail and the way he can coach them. But he can not can't give them a brain transplant. He can't give them characteristics that they don't possess. Sadly, so that's why it's difficult. I think because, yeah, they—they they, they might be all right, and that's no guarantee. But yeah, if, you, if you're stuck in, in in that cycle of uh, mediocrity, but just to just to have players with with that that character can can give you those those special moments, and that, that, that's what's lacking.
0: Mm-hmm. Gav Adam mentioned, you know, his dad said he feels sorry for, 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 for you know fans of Adam's generation who you know not seen as not seen the club win anything. Yeah, but you know, yeah. for, on a serious point, for you, you yes. have you have yeah, yeah, yeah. come through and you have seen the club at its best. How do you feel about what what we are now and what you know we have been for the last five six seasons? Is it is it especially difficult for you, or are you just? Apathetic to? It? I don't know. What? How, how do you feel?
3: My date is a long time ago, by the way. So, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, you've had a lot of pain, a lot, a lot of. As I, as I was pointed out to me the other week, in my in my fourteen years of school and Liverpool born, I think nineteen trophies or twenty one trophies and Everton one zero. So uh, you know. Mm. So we've all had the tough. I, I, in t- it's an incest one. I think, just go back to Chris's point there is about, you know, that the mid 80s out showed the characteristics of, you know, successful Everton team. I was going home away in 1983. Tell you what, try telling the fans there that the players were <laughs> showing the right characteristics. You know, so things things can change, mm. you know, and, and your perception of players can change. The, the, what the difference between then and now is that was a relatively young team. Where you can indoctrinate players and they can they can develop. We've got a lot of players who actually—is their mentality going to change? I'm mentioning no names because of their age and stuff. Um, so that that's the first thing I'd say is, I'm, as a as a fan, it hurts. It doesn't. If you've seen success, you want it to continue. Don't need It, it Can still hurt. when it do, do, doesn't. So I, I don't really get the argument. I, I I understand the argument that always oh, seen success, it cares less or you you, you know, it doesn't matter. It's it's it of course it does. It, it hurts. Um and it hurts because I because I, I can see what success brings to fan bases, you know. Um especially in difficult times. Um where we are now is and I think there's two things going on where we, are a, where we are as a team and where we are as a club are two completely different things for me. You know. Where we are as a club, I think can only get better if when we, we've got this, we got this FFP cycle that we're into at the moment, aren't we? So we've got players on highways. And we don't want to go into big financial stuff. That's gonna take 18 months to two years to clear. You know, and, and only when it's that that's sort of clear. That maybe we'll have a chance to to, to invest. Um, so when we say we'll be fine, well, actually that's perfectly acceptable for me. And I'm sure Benice has been brought in to do the job of being fine for two or three years of eighth, nine, and tenth, because that's the best we can get. And um, once we get beyond that, and we got Bramley Moore and we spoke about that the other week, there's other opportunities there where hopefully we can move, move forward. Where it's not fine, it's ve- good, very good. So I think that's going to take two, two to three years to pan out. If we're fine in the meantime, I can live with that, and I think that's what we're going to have to live with. Um, where we are as a team, I think is slightly different. Um, we've got we've got too many players, I think, who've been under several different managers, haven't they? And and I do think I mentioned this the other day. If you've if you had a, if you've had players under several different managers, they become very difficult to shoot That don't they? They become they become movable targets don't they um because there's not managers not being there long enough to assess them and i think that's where i think that that hasn't helped uh i would say that um obviously with the you know we've got weaknesses in key areas and i certainly say the mentality that you know what the most unsettling thing last night was it wasn't the goals wasn't performance it was before the corner that led to the goal we you got players arguing in the penalty area.
0: Mm.
3: You know, when Coleman Col- was, yeah. was shouting and stuff, and there was players, you know, in and around. And being old, sort of old enough to remember 70, 70-71, when it started falling apart under Catternick, there was like, well, I've written about this as well. You can still buy me book on it, by the way. <laughs> uh, it was a cheap plug is that was one of the characteristics about when was, there was several games where there was on-field arguments one in a televised game at hybrid against Arsenal we got b4-0 and that's a sign of team spirit not I know, whether team spirits exists is a, is another thing um that's another side I don't, I don't like to see that that's a symptom of of something more um underlying stri- at the, within the squad it
0: strikes me as a number of players, if they're arguing among themselves, they're probably a reaction that they all feel a responsibility or a guilt for having not done something correct in the build up to that moment, but feel like they needed to lash out at each yeah, other. Yeah,
3: and, and, and that that's that, that. The one thing I'd take away from that was, but there was two things last night, there was that. And also, and I don't want to start picking on somebody, but Seamus 33, whatever he is, 32, 33. The one you know, the one where they I forget what his name is really odd name. The fellow where he, he screws it wide in the second half, shrink out, out. You watch the build up to that. Guy. When the balls, there's a through ball played through, isn't it? And he takes uh, and Coleman's running back to goal and he's got his hands, he's like sort of got his arms out. Well, I'm gonna him in a shame with you, the captain. And like Keane allows the lads just to basically walk around, and
1: just past them, him. yeah. Mm.
3: And that that to me is a symptom of something a little bit more where there's a general malaise in the squad around um I, I don't like team spirit. Um but you know that 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 the, the general well being of the squad. Having said that, three weeks ago when we come away from Old Trafford, we were saying four weeks ago, really compact people fighting with each other and stuff. So
0: DeCore um, played that day though.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, well, you know, you wouldn't have queried the spirit there, would you? And, but
0: but is it, isn't, it, isn't it alarming that it has unravelled in the manner what, that it has yeah. unravelled and, and how quickly it has? That's the yeah. worry, isn't it?
3: Yeah, that's what two defeats do, does, do for fire on the bounce, don't they? Two home defeats on the bounce do. I mean, how 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 are that how would that many sort of quirky beliefs about the game, including, like, right-footed left-backs? And one of his... He hated back-to-back home games. He didn't like them, you right. know. And if you have a look at our record over the last 20 years, we've had back to back home games. and many of them we've won? One, but six, even when we were good under Moyes back to back home games in the same week. Very rarely won both. And if you lose both, god, oh, that's it. Because then you've got to run away games, then haven't you? And uh, yeah, yeah, and I think that that hasn't helped. Um, so oh, yeah, I think there's two things here there's the team and the club. I think a lot of the eye I saw last night was towards the club, wasn't it? And the frustrations of what you know we've been saying there about it's not been great since Martinez's first season and mm. stuff. Um, so we need to draw the distinction between the two things.
0: And of course, last night we only needed Jenk Tolson to come on to complete the list of uh, players in the squad, or to, players to have come onto the field who've played under Moyes, Martinez, Allardyce, Silva, Ancelotti... Mm. Also, signed by and, and Benitez. It would have been it would have been the full list, wouldn't it? Of players signed by each of those managers, but Jenk uh, remained on the bench. Um Adam Gav Gav tr- was, didn't want to speak about it, so I'm going to ask you. Talk to me about the central defence.
1: No, don't have to. Um, it, it's just it's just mind boggling, isn't it? I mean, Mike, we mentioned... At some point in the game didn't we that Michael Keane and Mason Holgate the last time they played together, they kept a clean sheet against a, a way to Brighton and they looked they looked pretty decent in that match but coming coming into this game, they couldn't have looked more uncomfortable if they'd tried. Uh, it, it was as if like you know, Mason Holgate just came straight into what was you know a struggle and defense and just thought I might I might make this worse. Like I I fancy making this worse because they 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 just didn't they they had no sort of composure on the ball in terms of in terms of their passing. You know, I I think you know the lack of movement from midfield and front didn't help them. But essentially, I felt I felt sorry for the likes of you know Richarlison up front. Richarlison was essentially just feeding off panicked clearances from the centre backs because they, they 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 just weren't doing anything else. And I mean, you you've got to. You've got to include Ben Godfrey in this as well who still just looks miles and miles away from the player that he looked last season and you know, that was compounded by what was a, a dreadful attempt at a back pass. I don't know whether he was aiming for Holgate or Pickford. It was that bad. He, yeah. I, I presume he was probably aiming for Holgate and just and just completely played a, a fantastic through ball to Raul Jimenez instead. But he, they, just, they just don't inspire confidence in you at all, do they? And I was looking at some yeah, I think Sky Sports put up some stats about how Everton uh, have pl- have played in the last two years without Yeti Mina compared to the uh, the results that they've got with Yeni Mina. I think that it's, it's a fifty-seven percent win percentage with Mina, and that drops to twenty-four percent when Mina's not in the side. And I mean, yeah, we, we we can we can speak speak a lot about you know Mina's effectiveness and how much he can keep himself fit and blah blah blah, blah. but you know, it's it stats like that that kind of prove that you know he is he is everton's best centre-back when he's on his game and the fact that he's coming to the end of his contract at the end of 2023 is it you know and <laughs> there are still people who don't know whether he should be off of the new contract uh, like I, I do think you know, stats like that prove that. Yeah, you know, I don't think Mina is the be-all and end-all and the the answer to all of Everton's issues. But yeah, it, it's it's clear that he's got a massive influence on this defense when he does when he does play. And yeah, but he, is that he, not
0: is that not is that not an issue though, Ad? Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. That that Yeri Mina on paper looks like our best centre half. And yet Yeri Mina, if you got a room of fifty Evertonians, twenty five would go. Yeah, he's boss, and twenty-five would go. He's a liability. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that
1: that does sum it up perfectly, doesn't it? And it goes back to you know a point that Gav has made for probably weeks and months now that you know it, the the, the centre back area probably is an, an area that Everton do need major investment in. You know, as promising as Godfrey did look last season, and yeah, you know, as influential as I think Yeni Mina is, you know, you can't. You can't rely on Yeni Mina to stay fit, and Ben Godfrey. You can't. Well, you can't account for what COVID has done to him, and you know mm. you can't. You can't really predict when he's going to be back to his full level again. So it 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 has suddenly become a hugely concerning area of the pitch because I I really don't know what's going to get uh, Michael Keane's confidence back because he just looks absolutely shot, and you know the moment that Gav mentioned before when. Player just like just saunters past them inside the box. The the attempt at a tackle that he made was absolutely diabolical. To be honest. Like, he, he just he didn't even he didn't even just wave a leg out. It, it, it was just absolutely nothing. It was really bad. And then Mason Holgate does the exact same thing just behind him, like just completely yeah. gets caught out by the same player doing the exact same thing. So you, th- there's just nothing that can inspire confidence with Everton centre backs at the minute, which is. You know, it, it becomes a really, really worrying area of the pitch. And, you know, last season we were talking about that being one of our strongest areas of the pitch. It's just... Uh, it, it's a ridiculous situation, isn't it? You know, one of many ridiculous situations that Everton find themselves in at the minute. But, yeah, it, it really is concerning.
0: The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. But he's just... <laughs> What's your take on what's happened to Holgate? Because Mace, Carlo Ancelotti comes to the football club in, mm. in late 2019. Holgate goes on a run of being, I think, almost apart from one game where he was rested, um, he was in the 11th in every league game up until lockdown. He gets a new deal. He literally is first choice on the team sheet at the back. He's now fallen so far down the pecking order, he comes in last night because there's no other option and delivers another poor performance.
2: Yeah, perhaps starts believing his own hype, I guess. I mean, there was, was rumours, weren't there, for a time, that you know Manchester City were casting an eye over his um, services and, yeah, he played well on the main men, under um, Ancelotti and even midfield role i think on a couple of mm-hmm. occasions um but yeah it, it, perhaps you know you could you could take your you know eye you know, off the ball as it were i remember a, a, an interview with nikichi jelovic and you know, he, he remember he obviously hit the ground running that first year at everton everything he he hit went into the back of the net and you know he looks like he was finally going to solve everton's long standing striking problem I mean, obviously it's the other end of the pitch but you know if you, you start Thinking, yeah, I've made it now. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't need to... I, obviously, I'm not um, questioning the lad's attitude, but you do wonder, do you start you know, believing the hype about yourself? And perhaps just... Because in the Premier League, it's such fine margins. You know, if you just switch off 1% or whatever, you know, it, it, it can make a difference. Because I think some of the tackles I saw him attempting last night with the board. And on the, on the ridiculous, I mean, the, the one where he wrestled that fella into the ground in the, in the first half, and then obviously... Very fortunate, it was just outside the box that one. And in the second half, um, yeah, it, it's difficult because be, like you you lose your place, you come back in, you come in cold. Obviously, nothing like Gabamin's situation, but yeah, if you, you it's just having that match sharpness. I mean, and you know, it's probably if any area in the pitch, the two centre backs is the one area where you want to have that communication and that understanding between the pair. So if you if you're just coming back in after a few weeks out, yeah, it's going to be difficult. And, and we saw that last night. Yeah, they said. Look, completely um off the pace from you know a sharpness point of view and you know it's difficult to get back without you know playing every week but you've got to put those performances in to keep your shares. Mm.
0: Okay Gav last one then before we, we wrap up. Um Anthony, what what do you what's your take on the Anthony Gordon situation? Because Raffer has made it clear that he likes Anthony yeah. but doesn't doesn't feel he's got an engine to play ninety or back to back. But I think I think Adam made the point to me last night. I think it was Adam who sort of said, Well how's he gonna get that? How's he gonna get that engine if he doesn't play week every yeah. week? Yeah. <laughs> What's Chicken the solution? Yeah. Chicken and
3: egg, isn't it? You know, um start him, don't you? And take it from there. If he's got not got ninety minutes in him then and you like him and you if you like him but he's got not ninety minutes and him, you start him, you don't bring him on the sub do you and he was well worth a start last night I mean I won't be get sticky at least he he'll have a go and you know doesn't hide but um uh, you know Anthony if, if he does raise him then play him from the start and then hopefully he'll build up his a, a durability hmm. From that basis I mean he plays I'm not sure how many minutes he played at Old Safford, but it was a tough place to go to wasn't it And he, you know he, he lasted a long time there so Start, don't
0: you? It's a simple thing. I mean, do you think think Rafa's maybe thinking Anthony's got that burst of of pace and he he can inject a bit of kind of electricity into a situation that he almost doesn't want to use up his energy reserves by making him have to in certain games track back and fulfill all those roles off the ball? Because if you get him the ball in the right area, he can make a difference.
3: Yeah, no, I, I get that. And I mean, I think that's why he's sort of what I've has been getting games. But uh, Man United, he, he, I mean, Wan-Bissaka is not exactly a full-back who's going to push you back, is he? That's not his game, is it? Uh, but you, you've just got to start him and take it from there, haven't you? I, I just, and and I think I'd, I'd be, I mean, I'm, I've, 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 from what I've seen with Gordon up until this season, I've been a little bit, yeah, he's one of them academy prospects who looks good but maybe hasn't got the the ability and the physique to, to flourish in the Premier League. But I'm sort of, what I've seen over the last month or so, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of of the opinion now we should be giving him at least an opportunity. I mean, it's, let's face it, he's not exactly got a lot of better options in that area of the pitch, has he? Than he has, as we've just said. Well, um, we,
0: were saying, we were saying last night, Gavin, the way back, if if Hammers had not dug his heels in over going back to Porto, we would have hopefully got a deal over the line for Luis Diaz. Now, yeah. we're not saying Luis Diaz would have solved all our problems, but he would have injected some quality, pace, and been another option for the manager yeah. in an important area. And, you know, not beating around the bush, Rafa would not have had to have used Alex Awobi as much as he has done. Yeah, and Alex, yeah. you know, and I'm not, we're not scapegoating Wobe, but he is just. Symptomatic of the problems for me. Yeah,
3: yeah, I, I, I get the logic there. Is by by get, looking at the lad from so you're saying I'm not happy with the options I've got on the on the left hand side. So therefore, therefore, I'm not well. Let's. I'm not happy with the Woby, but by extension, that that he can do a job for me all year. So if that's the case, then why don't play Gordon as a as a, as, a, as an option? Um, I think. Dare I say, it would probably be a good PR job for, for Benitez to play Gordon as well, wouldn't it? I'm not saying players should pick squad uh, teams. But from what you've seen last night and you've seen in a couple of games, he's definitely worth a start, isn't he? Uh, I thought he was good last night. I'd say he brought that bit of energy, Phil, you're talking about and he, he come close. Uh, and I think he's worthy of an opportunity above some of the other academy players who may maybe skirted around the first team over the last decade. Uh Definitely, Um but yeah, it's a, it's an it's an incestum on that. But I do think he's should be given more. I, I get I get I get the argument. You you can only be stronger by playing him more. Isn't <laughs> it simple as that? Yeah, simple as that. Yeah.
0: Well, will do if will think the same about Kabamin? I suspect not. But no, um, no, no. Well, we shall see. We will discuss. That and much more as we build towards Spurs uh, at Goodison on Sunday, we'll we'll reconvene uh, Friday afternoon and, of course, discuss about what sort of bounce Spurs will get now that Antonio Conte is through the door and looks like he will take charge uh, at Goodison. Um, But we will focus on that later in the week. Um, Thank you very much for listening. Not sure if it's been therapeutic for anybody, anybody listening. Not sure it's been therapeutic for us, but we got some things off our chest, you know, problems... Problem shared is a problem halved, and Everton have got a lot of problems at the minute. So um, thank you very much for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.